How you doing today? Good? If I talk with my mouth full, is that all right this morning? Want some, Steve? No. <laughs> Hang on, give me a sec. Get that out of my teeth. So a lot of you know this. Sorry, it's going to be a while. But I live pretty close to Lake Geneva. But uh, t- I'm on the Illinois side, unfortunately, you know. And we write a letter to the governor weekly asking to annex. I mean... We told him we would raise the red flag and, you know, join the coup, but nothing yet. So we're still in Illinois, but we're way up there on the border, right? I took a big bite. I can be in the water in 10 minutes. I, uh, it may be 15 minutes from town. And uh, I know the city pretty well. We have our favorite spots up there. We do our banking up there. I go to my health club up there. My kids actually went to preschool up there. We've spent a lot of time in Lake Geneva. We used to be up there four or five times a week. Not so much as our kids have grown older, but we're up there a lot. You get the idea, right? For about 15 years, there was this restaurant. It was called Medusa's. And it was there on like the north side of that main drag. You know, Highway 50 is cutting through Lake Geneva east to west. And that's where you find all that touristy stuff. You know, Kilwin's Fudge and a lot of those shops and restaurants and boutiques. But you go a little north of that on that main drag. For years, there was this little shop, this little restaurant called Medusa's. And from the outside, it was pretty nondescript. You know, in fact, I would say it was even slightly run down or closed looking. And so my wife and I, we never really gave it a second thought. Strangely, the the, the place reminds me of Fellowship of Faith a lot that way. You know, you, you drive by, it's pretty nondescript. You don't really know what it is. And it's like, are they even closed down? I don't know. You know, it was the same kind of thing. And so we just always kind of blew it off. We would drive by. There's other places to eat, places that catch the eye, places that kind of get in your soul, places that you get excited about, until it was a couple here at Fellowship of Faith. Mike and Heather Kilgore. Anyone, you guys know? Anyone here know Mike and Heather Kilgore? Um, Heather uh, gives canine vision. Mike used to be in the opera, if you don't know them. And... They come here, I'm not making that up either. They come on a Sunday and they're like, oh my gosh, for our anniversary, we went to this place, Medusa's. Now immediately in my mind, I'm like, really? You went there? Like, no, this place is phenomenal. They're like, it's owned and operated by this local chef, this gourmet chef. It's like 10 tables, limited menu. He's like, you know, now you're not gonna walk out of there for less than 50 bucks a person. So this is kind of a special occasion kind of place. But if you were looking for that unique kind of place, that, that special kind of anniversary night, date night, like gourmet off the beaten burger and fry path, they're like, oh my gosh, this place will blow your mind. And... They're foodies, like we're foodies, and and I kind of like lodged it here, but I didn't do anything with it. You know, you ever have that? Someone tells you about a place, and you're like, oh, yeah, okay. I'll have to try that out sometime, which is more or less a way of saying I'll put it like number 932 on my to-do list and file it over here. Thank you very much. A couple years later, I'm at a pastor's conference up in Delavan, which is just down the road from Lake Geneva, 
And they've got one of these, like, these Old Testament profs coming in. And I know that sounds boring, but the guy's amazing. His name's Reed Lessing. The books that he's written, the way he teaches, it's just like, you know? Um, it's like these cookies. And it's, it's just, like, incredible. Find out the welcome committee is taking him to Medusa's. They come back the next day. They're raving about this place. They are talking about this place as though like heaven opened, God came down and like literally manifested his divine presence among food. Are you with me on this? So it raised it on the list. And Tina and I were like, we've got to hit this place. But life gets busy. And lo and behold, we're driving through Lake Geneva. Closed. The chef sells the restaurant. Never get to eat there. Opportunity lost. And I've learned that a lot of times in life, God gives an opportunity. And it's not always going to be there. And if you don't act on it, it might not be there later. Life is short. And the opportunities God gives us often have expiration dates. I'm really kind of bummed because I would have loved to have tried this place, but but catch this, I am up there two weeks ago. My wife and I were walking around Lake Geneva. We walked by and there's a new shop that opened just about a block south of where his restaurant used to be. And it says Medusa's Gelato. Now, I don't know about you, but Medusa's does not strike me as a very common name. Would you agree? So we're like, oh my gosh, did this guy like reopen? So we go in there, because we're suckers for gelato, right? Because where can you get gelato? I mean, everyone has ice cream, but where can you get gelato? Does anyone know where to get gelato? Outside of Europe, right? So that alone is getting us, and you used to be able to get it at the Grand Geneva, but even they got out of the biz, So we go in, and he's got all these homemade gelatos. He's sampling you down. It's weird flavors like strachianella. It sounds like a disease, but it was like fantastic. And it's like, this is, I don't even know what you're making here. And he's got a very limited menu of five or six other dessert items, which leads me to this cookie. (laughs) We come to find out that it's the same owner of that restaurant. I don't know, I think he got bored in retirement. And after two years said, it's time to open shop again. Making gelato by hand with top ingredients. Making these cookies by hand, importing the pistachios, he said. My wife started talking to him about the recipe, like, oh, so tell me about it. He's like, well, it's called a macaroon. All right, that lit me up because a few years ago I got hooked on macaroons. It's really the most nondescript cookie you can ever imagine. There's no chocolate in it, and this is America, darn it. Where's the chocolate, right? I would never pick this cookie off a shelf. Over a hundred other cookies based on appearance. How about you? But I've been handing these out all morning, and you guys tell me, those of you who get to try one of these this morning, did it not rock your world? Was this like, oh my gosh, right? By the way, does anyone want one? Anyone want one? Well, I'm not coming to you. Come get one, brother. Want one? Here you go. 
No, no, they can come get it. Come on, I got them. Take them. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. You're getting one, you're getting one, you're getting one. I've got three left and there's five of you. Let's have a bloodbath right here. All right? So, do you want to split one? You don't want to split one? You want it all to yourself? You'll split, you split, you split. I'm out. There's nuts. Uh-oh. Pass it on. Opportunity lost if you wanted one, I guess. But I want to talk to you about that because it's cool. Because sometimes an opportunity will get by you. But what I've learned with God is that whenever one opportunity is lost, God does not give up on you. God will give you different opportunities. It won't be the same opportunity. I will never be able to eat at that restaurant and my life is worse for it. But I got a chance to taste of what this chef can do. And I tell you, it's incredible. I don't think I'm overplaying this. This nondescript, it's just so stinking good with coffee. Oh my gosh, we are talking culinary orgasm, people, all right? I mean, I don't even know how to describe it. Look, he told me it's a macaroon. I'm taking his word for it. I've come to learn there's a difference between a macaroon and a macaron. I can tell you what it is. I don't know how he makes it. I know there's pistachio in it. I know there's coconut in it. I'm assuming there's gluten in it because everything good in this world has gluten in it, right? I don't know his recipe. I don't know his technique. I don't know where he gets the ingredients. I cannot tell you more about it. I know nothing of its nutritional content. All I know is that I am hooked on these things. And I like them so much that I'm like, I gotta bring a tray of these to FOF, all right? I gotta bring a tray of these to FOF and uh, there you go. And I'm glad that some of you got to enjoy it today. So, big plug here for Medusa's Gelato and especially their macaroons in Lake Geneva. Bring more next week? Let's talk. Let's talk. Now let me step back from it all. What am I doing? Analyze this. What am I actually doing here this morning? I'm sharing my faith. I'm sharing my faith. The Bible will call it witnessing. I have experienced something. I liked it. It makes me want more. It brought joy to my life. It brought joy to my family. There's something in it that I think is intrinsically good. And I'm excited. I, I, I mean, I'm generally having fun with this. I'm excited to share that with you today.
We as Christians who gather in churches on Sunday, we hear words like evangelism, and we hear words like outreach, and you know what I think they are to us? I think they're four-letter words. I think we get in our headspace and completely turn it into something weird when at a base level, sharing your faith and witnessing is about nothing more than sharing with someone else something good that's happened in your life because of God or where God swims. Are you with me? That's all we're doing here today. Let's analyze this a little bit. Let's draw some parallels and comparison. You know, as I was doing this here this morning, shoot, even standing on stage, many of you know this, since 8.30 this morning, I've been walking around handing these things out. And you know what not one person did to me? Oh, it's so weird. Why is he offering me a cookie? Some people, some people took it quite willingly. Oh man, thanks. It took no convincing whatsoever. Some people, they know me well enough. <laughs> what are you pulling? I respect that. It needed a little explanation. Uh, what is it? Did you make it? That's an important question. <laughs> but most of them, after I was able to give a very simple explanation of what it was and where I found it, were like, oh, cool. Some wouldn't make eye contact. They saw me coming in, they're just like, don't look at him. Don't look at him. And they walked on by. You know what, it did not crush my ego. I didn't go, oh, I'm a failure. Oh, I must have done it wrong. None of that. They didn't want it, I moved on. There were many who thought they were too good for it. I don't eat sugar. <laughs> right? I'm watching, I'm watching my weight, right? Other people, I think out of intimidation, inhibition, or just not trusting me on it, it's fine, give it to my kid. Poison my kid, you know, that's all right. <laughs> what did you witness here? Who came up? Kids. Unless you become like a little child, you will never enter the kingdom of God, Jesus says. Because kids aren't inhibited, and respectable adults are. How many of you wanted a cookie but weren't going to take the time to walk up here just to grab one? Because let's face it, it would be embarrassing. You know? There's a few people who I gave one to, and they just gave it to someone else immediately. The person tried to give it back to them. I, they gave it back to the person immediately. I tried to give it to them again, and they kept handing it, I don't want it. That'll happen. Who cares, right? Because I simply got the chance to share with many of you something good. Some of you took it. Some of you didn't. And the same is true of witnessing your faith. I love the parable that Jesus tells of the four seeds, where he's like, you know, the farmer is out there and he's sowing his seed. He's, he's casting out the cookies. You know what I mean? Trying to distribute the cookies, if you will, of the kingdom of God. And he's like, some will, some will just kind of reject it out of hand, you know? It's like, it's like birds coming and eating the seed off the path. It's going to do nothing. They're not going to respond to it. They don't want anything to do with it. They just move on. Others will go, okay, but you know, there's other things that are going to get in the way. And, and so they're not really going to enjoy the cookie. The amount of people I saw take one and put it aside. I think they were being polite, but didn't actually eat. 
Other people, who knows, might react differently, but there were some few here that just kind of sunk their teeth into it and like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, you are not overhyping this. This is so good. Expect the same thing to happen when you share your faith. There will be those who just don't want to hear it. Was my soul broken because you didn't want my cookie? Neither will your soul be broken because someone doesn't want your faith. It's okay. Move on. There's some who will be skeptical. I respect that. Why believe something blindly? And it might take a little explanation. But there will be some who will sink their teeth into it gladly. And you will get to share in the delight of what they're experiencing for the very first time. Are you with me? I want to share with you something that's important to us here at FOF, and I'm going to put this on the screen. It comes out of like our, our discipleship manual, if you will, and it's embedded in our values and things like this. It's called Reignite, but let me just read it to you. It says this, we don't see outreach as one component of the church. We see it as every component, that everything we're supposed to be doing as a congregation and as an individual Christian is meant to have other people in mind bringing God's blessings to them and not just hoarding it to ourselves. It goes on to say, we believe God yearns to redeem and to restore every aspect of who we are and all his creation. That the church, that this is meant to be God's agent for bringing his love and restoration to a broken world. This is not a place that we gather for ourselves. It's a place where God mobilizes us to reach those who have never come to taste and see. God's love is not for us alone. We're meant to share it, to spread it. Discipleship means pouring ourselves into this call, and we tagline it by saying, so I covenant to, I agree to, I swear or promise, whatever language you like, what I'm going to do in response to this is be a witness, disciple others, ignite the mission and vision of FOF. You're here today, nine out of ten of you I would probably estimate, because there is something going on in this church that you like. Now, I know there's a one out of 10 of you here because you dragged by a spouse. Another one in the 10 who might have been, okay, what is this place? Is this going to fit for me? And others who may be out of history here are dug in like a tick. And no matter how much you hate it, you're sticking around, right? <laughs> but I think if you're here, most of you are coming because you like something about this place. You look forward to it and what occurs here. And more significantly, you like the way it is bringing you closer to God. We have got an amazing, wonderful, unique church here. And I think as a church, we're good at a lot of things. But if you want my honest assessment, I think as a church, we stink at this. Hardcore. I want to share some metrics with you this morning. Fellowship of Faith metrics, specifically how Fellowship of Faith compares to other churches 
and the United States. A lot of you know that I moonlight with a, a ministry consulting firm called Ministry Architects. It gives us the opportunity to go around the country and talk to churches that are both small and large, non-denominational and denominational of every stripe and variety, young and old, vibrant and dying, and help them learn how to achieve their goals, do church better, become more of what God wants them to be. And part of what we get access to is the, the people in the think tank there compare the stats of thousands upon thousands of churches throughout the country because every church wants to know is this. How are we doing? And how do we know how we're doing? Like, what do you have to compare it to? What's like normal in the church world and how do we stack up against it. Well, let me share some of those stats with you. What I'm going to give you is the statistical norms of the American church compared to our stats here at FOF. So, in the typical American church, averaging them all together, let's take a look at groups. Most churches in this day and age have small groups, discipleship groups, life groups, fellowship groups. You call the groups what you want to call them. Bible studies, if they don't label them that way, but smaller gatherings of people. How many people in a congregation should a church expect to be involved in groups? Are you with me? You following the logic of the stat here? Here's the norm. Typical church should expect 40 to 50% of their adult worship attendance to be involved in groups. Does the stat make sense? You want to see how FOF stacks up? 102% of our church is involved in groups. 283% if you count one person multiple times because they go to multiple groups. So 102 is only counting individuals once. Are you with me? We are rocking the group scene. Let me give you another. How about serving? Most churches lament the serving scene, the volunteering issues, the crisis of always trying to get people because churches at their core are volunteer-run organizations. What should a church expect? Well, about 45% of their adult worship attendance. You want to see where FOF stacks up? 74%. 132% if you count one person serving in multiple areas and equations. We're doing really well. You're doing really well in serving the body, the community, in the world. How about this one? Visitors who become attenders. Every church has visitors. But what the stat is trying to figure out is how many of them stick. Are you with me? What should a church expect? Because never in the history of the church, including Jesus himself, did everyone who follow him stick. The statistical norm, and it's a broader stat, but they'll go, it's the 1030 window. 10 to 30% is typical for first-time visitors becoming attenders. Let me show you how FOF stacks up. 52.3%. That for every... Yes, it's awesome. And we are so glad that, that half of you who are coming here are liking it enough to come back again, you know? Rock on. But now let me show you this. 
how many new visitors should a church expect? This is front door. This is how well you're doing your outreach, how well you're doing at inviting, how well you're doing at bringing people in. Are you with me? Here's the, st the statistical norm. It is a ratio, one to one, that if you look at your average worship attendance, let's say at Fellowship of Faith, it's 300. Over the course of 12 months, you should then expect to see 300 first-time visitors. Do you understand the one-to-one -one ratio and how it works? Can I show you how FOF stacks up? Point five two half. There's a lot of things we're doing great here at this church, and a lot of ways that you are living the discipleship journey. But when it comes to outreach, evangelism, inviting, Give it up. And a lot of you have invited people, but a lot of you aren't. Because I'll tell you what, the evangelism strategy, the outreach strategy of a church is not done through social media, it's not done through websites, it's not done through fancy facades, it's not done through direct marketing material, it's not done through the bling that you hand out at parades and fairs, that is supplemental. Churches, since the time of Jesus, have primarily reached people on one primary factor, and it's Christians witnessing to others, telling their family telling their friends, sharing with them what they have come to experience and what they have come to discover. And the stat here convicts me saying, we as a congregation are not taking Jesus seriously on this front. I want to share a few observations about outreach with you. And the first is this that when it comes to doing this, it's a matter of obedience. Jesus says this, go and make disciples. He doesn't say think about going and making disciples. He doesn't say have a Bible study about making disciples. He doesn't say memorize Matthew 28, 16 to 20 so you can recite go and make disciples. He doesn't say learn how to say go and make disciples in Greek. He says, go and make disciples. He's like, if you're in the mood, if you feel like it, if it isn't weird, if people are going to like me, if I get the opportunity, he says, go. Can I ask you, are you going? Because I tell you, this is a matter of obedience before God. And just as much as he will look at you for the Ten Commandments, He's going to look at you on this front too going, tell me, did you share what I gave to you? Imagine this for a moment. If dad made dinner, he makes this glorious meal for the family and he tells you, hey, go and tell your sister dinner is ready. And imagine if that kid said, in his mind, I'm not going to tell her. I'm going to keep the food for myself. Can you imagine that? tell you what, if I was your dad, you wouldn't be eating. 
And you're gonna stand before God someday. Tell me about how you went, who you shared with. Guys, this is not optional. If you want to follow Jesus, this is a mandate of obedience to what it means to be a Christian. Outreach, inviting, witnessing. God does not give us a choice. Yet at the same time, it's an inevitability. I like something else Jesus says. He says this, you will be my witnesses. Now what's fascinating to me about this is it's not really a command. You may be able to couch within there an implication of a command, but if you take it as a straight statement, he's going, you will be. You will be. Do you know that you are witnessing to Christ, whether you like it or not, 24-7? Because if the people you know know that you go to a place like this on a Sunday, if the people you know know that you identify as a Christian, from what you say to how you talk to the jewelry you wear to the shirt that you put on, if the people you know in any way have an inkling that somehow you have a relationship with the living Christ, they are judging Christ based on you. Your life is a living witness, whether you like it or not. So be intentional about it. Own it because it's happening and say, Lord, if this is going to be the case, I want to be the best witness I can be. And third, what I want to share with you is this. It's also an opportunity. I'm not going to say God's going to give you opportunities. God's given you opportunities. And those opportunities have an expiration date. There are people in my life that I think about going back, wishing that I had shared more openly with who are now dead. And that leaves me with a regret because I know the implications and the stakes. There are people you know who are thirsting for redemption, forgiveness, wholeness, restoration. It's a matter of eternal life and eternal death and there's people who are looking for hope and you have it. And God is giving you opportunity to let them know that the table is set. Come and eat. And those opportunities will not be there forever. And even if it is not as strong as death, there are so many opportunities that I have let gone by because I let my headspace get in the way. Oh, it's going to be awkward. Oh, I'm going to make it weird. Oh, it's going to be embarrassing. Oh, I don't want to open this can of worms. Oh, they're going to ridicule me. Oh, they're going to do this. Oh, they're going to do that. Stop saying the vowel. Oh, it's a stupid vowel. It's horrible. Change it to you. There's something great for you. God loves you. There's healing in Christ for you. God's made promises to you. It's such a better vowel, isn't it? Get off that O and start using you. God gives tremendous opportunity. I think about fellowship of faith. And let me just circle back on something here today. 
Think about this church just for a minute. We live in an area of the country, in an area of the world, where there is literally like a church, I swear, on every corner. You can go a mile north and find a church. You can go a mile down from a mile north and find another church. You can go two miles south and find a church. They are dripping out the pores. But think about fellowship of faith. We're a denominational church who doesn't give a rip if you're part of that denomination or not. We're a small church doing mega church production. We're a commuter church that feels like a community church. We're a liturgically, historically rooted confessional church that teaches like a Bible church. Guys, we're a unicorn. (laughs) And there are people in this world and in your life that need the unicorn. Now, you may go to some of them and go like, you know, I'm a camel man. You know, and others are going to come and say, you know, I, I kind of dig horses. And others you're going to find are asses themselves, all right? <laughs> That's okay. Because if you just keep sharing, you will have something to bless them with. I mean, think about what you can tell people, right? Think about what you can share. Think about what this can do for people like You, God, has given you opportunity among family, friends, co-workers, neighbors, people that you meet, social social media friend circles. We can add the list on. You get the idea. Is it something you're excited about? Something you like? Have you seen something that God has done? Don't keep it to yourself. God says, get out there. Be obedient to me. Share it. And be a witness. Disciple others. Tell them about the goodness of what you're finding with him today. Are you with me? So, let me wrap this up. And I want to leave you with just, well, not that, but that's a good verse, isn't it? Like that verse? All right. I want to leave you with uh, some ways to go about it. Because sometimes, like, you know, we, we, we get it conceptually, and we can get hyped up conceptually on it, but then it's like you go out to do it, and it's like, oh, what, what do I do? Don't overthink it, guys. Seriously, don't overthink it. Just go with the joy in your heart. But for those of you who do overthink it, let me give you a few techniques here today. The first is this. Just talk about it. Just talk about it. Talk about fellowship of faith. I'm going to give you an example. Turn to someone sitting you right now. I don't care if you came with them today, right? Just turn to someone right now. This is like 10 seconds. Tell them one thing you like about your church. Okay, go. I like Pastor Dave. Well, I like you too. All right, let's bring it in. Straight up, guys, was that hard? Did you find it just kind of flowed naturally? Do you find that I could let you go for another two minutes? That you had more to say, most of you, than less of you? It's that easy. 
Just talk to people about what you like about your church. Now, more importantly, talk about him. Because if we exist just for ourselves, we miss the boat. Fellowship of faith is only as good as it leads us to him, connects us with him, represents him. Talking about church is good. Talking about God is great. Do you like God? Are there things you like about him? Take 10 seconds. Turn to someone next to you. Tell them one thing you like about Jesus. Go. All right, let me pull you back in. Now, the chatter got going, and I hope you're not just like talking about your lunch plan and trying to like fake everyone out around here. But you know, here's the point. I'm going to give you my perception. It was a little more hesitant at the start, but once it started, it seemed to catch on. Why? Because, oh, now I'm talking about something vulnerable. Now I'm talking about something personal. Now I'm talking about something that's socially awkward and embarrassing. And what I want to encourage you is it doesn't have to be. If you love Jesus, own it. Stop being ashamed. Stop being embarrassed. Stop downplaying it. You don't have to wear a sandwich board and walk around. You don't have to bring it up. But if you like him, share it. Talk about him. And let your witness shine through what God is doing in you. It doesn't have to be filled with altar calls. It doesn't have to be filled with sinners' prayers. It doesn't have to be filled with ultimatums and invites and all that kind of stuff. If you just talk about what you like the way I talked about liking cookies, you're doing it. And God will work through it. But that being said, do actually invite. Because sometimes people do need the nudge. They get excited with you, but let them know that they're welcome. Because do you know that there's a lot of people in this world who think they can't step foot into churches? We who gather here regularly, we forget this. But I have family members who still joke with me to this day going, oh, if I was to step into church, man, the God would strike the place with lightning. And they say it as a joke because it covers the uncomfortable reality that that's what they truly believe. Do you know there's people in this world who don't think that they're welcome in churches? Maybe because they've had a bad experience. There's people in this world who think they can't come to this church because I'm not of that denomination. There's people who don't go to churches because they don't know anyone. And let's face it, it's a little weird walking in the first time. It's a little scary, isn't it? Invite. Say, hey, come check it out sometime. Hey, come with me this Sunday. Hey, I'll pick you up. Hey, I'll meet you there. Hey, I think you really like it. Bring the family. And without turning into some kind of like utter obnoxious pest, just keep inviting again and again and again. God will work through that. How about this? 60-second conversations. Do you know that the mission field isn't just out there, but that the mission field is right in here? Do you know that Billy Graham, who's considered probably the greatest English-speaking evangelist of the 20th century, 
When he would call people to Christ and in these crusades would witness these, these gigantic thousands upon thousands, like, like communities literally coming forward that 90% of the people stateside claim church affiliation and membership. Because there's a lot of people who gather in places like this who are a member of church but have no living relationship with the living Christ. Just because you're a member of fellowship of faith does not mean that you are a part of the kingdom of God and never confuse the two. Right here in this community are people gathering every week who don't know him, who are on the fence about him, who are confused in their spirituality, who are searching, who are questioning. Do you come and just talk to your friends? Or do you take the moment to say that they matter to God too? And that person who sits alone at the table, the person who comes and sits alone at the chair, the person who walks in like deer in the headlights because everyone seems to be having a great time and yet they stand there utterly socially alone. Those of you who call FOF your home, the onus is on you to host this place and welcome them. If you don't know someone, go up to them. And say, hey, thanks for coming today. My name's Dave. What's yours? To which they're going to go, I've been coming here for a year and a half. <laughs> to which you go, yeah, so what's my name? And then you go, oh. No one cares. No one expects you to remember names. You know what every human being tells me? I'm really bad at names. No, you're not. You're normal. No human being remembers names. It's the freaks who remember names. If you don't remember their name, you are normal, and you admitting it gives them the freedom to go, oh, good, because I didn't remember yours either. And if they get offended by that, we don't want them here anyway. <laughs> go stink up some other place with your high-maintenance toxicity, you know? <laughs> go up to them, say hi. Hi and welcome them into the body, because God will work through that. Why 60 seconds? I'm not saying, okay, how do I get through this? Start the clock. No, that would be weird. That would be making it weird. Would you agree? I'm giving you a benchmark. Make it longer than, hey. Get to know them a little bit. But please, by God, some of you, you sit there and you talk for 10 minutes. No first-timer wants to be talked to. It's, 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 it's like, it's worse than getting mugged. You know, do not spiritually mug a human being. <laughs> Give them the freedom to disengage because I promise you they don't think you're as interesting as you think you are. <laughs> 60 seconds is all it takes. Can you give up 60 seconds every time you come in this place to engage with someone you don't know? And if you don't know their first and last name, you don't know them. You just recognize them. Could you do that every time you come in this place? and give the other 1,052 seconds to your friends? God will work through that. Let me give you just a couple more. Sometimes you're going to come across people in your life and you just, they're sharing burden. They're sharing heartbreak. They're getting vulnerable. And you're like, you're not really sure what to say. Can I give you a technique? Just say this. Hey, can I pray for you? My experience has been that even atheists want people to pray for them. I'm not saying you've got to pray for them right there. Just say, hey, can I pray for you? Maybe get a little bit of detail. But here's the important part, then actually do. And here's the second important part. 
go back to him a week later and follow up? Because it shows that your can I pray for you is not just a dismissal thing like I'm done talking to you. It's a way of saying, you actually matter and I took the time to pray for you and I actually want to see how your family's doing. You are going to see God work through that. Can I share with you one final thing? If you're new here, text in. We do not want to be a sea of anonymous faces gathering on a Sunday morning. Most Sundays we put this screen and we invite you to text in. And you know, see, I, I see people. You know what everyone does? Like eight out of ten just goes like this. I mean, seriously, you're on this thing like eight hours a day. Can you take 60 seconds to just go 855-465-2720 here? I mean, I see the stupid things that you text about. Come on. And if you're new today, I'm going to tell you exactly what we're going to do. If you text here and you give us your name and that most basic contact information, we're just going to reach out this week, probably by email, maybe by text, and just say thanks for coming. And if you have any questions or we can help you or pray for you, let us know. We might even drop like a handwritten note in the mail to you. We'll put you on our e-news list. You get about two to three a month. Just an email from me to the congregation sharing things about our church life and where we're headed. And you can unsubscribe at any time with the click of a button and never let us know. It's not too scary, is it? Some of you have taken a step by walking in here. And we don't know that you're a visitor. Could you take a moment to let us know so that we can welcome you the way that we want to welcome you and not treat you as someone who just stays anonymous in the shadows? They're simple things, aren't they? Simple things that don't have to be weird scary that God has a track record of working through tremendously to bring his goodness and grace and hope and healing and promise and forgiveness and power and strength and presence and to people who are looking for it. He's going to do it through you. Please do it. Be a witness. Disciple others. Spread the word. Ignite what God is trying to do through fellowship of faith in this corner of the world. That's what it's all about.